Notice Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. For behold, the day is coming that will burn like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming. That day is coming. The day is coming that shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But notice verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Now this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And in these verses, Malachi reveals two equal but opposite aspects of Christ. His terrible judgment, which is coming, and His tender mercy, which is present. And throughout this book, in these verses, and throughout this book, Malachi, and I'm kind of give you a little context here, Malachi alternates between the first coming of Christ and the second coming. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult, it's not exactly clear to which he's referring. For example, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. That's talking about John the Baptist. That scripture was fulfilled in John the Baptist. You see, then again, in verse uh, chapter 4, rather, in verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Well, one time, the disciples said to Jesus, Why do the scribes and the Pharisees say that before Christ comes, Elijah must come? Well, see, they're, they're, they're referring to that verse in Malachi. They, they knew the Word of God. They knew the Scriptures. And Jesus responded to them in Matthew chapter 17, verse 12, Behold, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him. And in verse 13, Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not Elijah. But he came in the power and the spirit of Elijah in that his ministry was like Elijah in that he confronted an entire nation to turn their hearts back to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Then in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. I think... I think this is referring to Christ's first coming, his earthly ministry. Because when he comes again, he will descend from heaven. And the Bible says every eye will see him. And then again, verse 1 goes on to say, and, and some translations say even, talking about the same person, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Jesus initiated the new covenant with his blood. And he is the mediator and guarantor of that covenant at the Father's right hand. Then notice the next verse, verse 2. 
But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. So this verse, again, it seems to jump now to Christ's second coming when he judges the nations. Verse 3, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Well, silver is purified in the furnace. The alloys, the impurities are melted away. And according to Malachi chapter 4, a day is coming, burning like an oven. By the way, we love to talk about the grace of God. We love to talk about the mercy of God. We love to talk about, you know, uh, the goodness of God, and we should emphasize that. But we also need to tell people about the judgment of God because there is coming a day that will burn like an oven. When Jesus comes again, it will not be for salvation. It will be for judgment. This is the time to receive his mercy in this lifetime before he comes. Amen? So Malachi 4.1 says, There's a day coming burning like an oven. And the arrogant and evildoers will perish. This is the day of judgment. But no, let's go back to our text, Malachi 4.2. This is what I want to focus on. But for you, now he's talking to you, isn't he? He's talking to you now. But for you who fear my name. So in other words, you won't be burned up. You won't be devoured. You won't perish. But for you, for you, for you who fear my name, something better is in store the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Now, is this verse, is this something that is going to happen at the end of the age? No. Because on the last day, when Christ returns, our bodies will be resurrected. The dead will rise first in a new body, and then we which are alive and remain shall be changed in the moment, a twinkling of an eye. We'll have a glorified body like Christ. See, when God heals you, he doesn't give you a new body. You know, you, you, know, you have a cold or something. Oh, God, heal me. Well, you don't get like a new pair of lungs. Or he just, he, healing is a renewal of the body from a diseased condition. Healing is something that takes place now. In this life. Some people say, well, you know, he was sick his whole life, and then he died, and now he's in heaven, he has perfect healing. But, but that's not really true, because healing is something that takes place in this life. That person is free from a body that was diseased, and I guess you could say that's great. But healing, if you're ever going to be healed, it will happen now. Don't put healing off for eternity. Healing is something that happens now. When you have a resurrected body, you won't need healing, because it'll be perfect. Healing is for now. Somebody say, healing is for now. And notice this verse again. Put it back on the screen, Malachi 4.2. Notice this verse refers to Jesus as the Son, S-U-N, the Son of righteousness. It's talking about Jesus. In John 8.12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Well, what lightens... What gives light to the earth? The sun. The sun. And just as there is no life on earth without the sun, S-U-N, there is no eternal life on earth without the sun, the S-O-N. 
But isn't it possible, Brother John, isn't it possible that some people who are not Christians, but they really are devoted to God, isn't it possible that they'll also go to heaven? No. It is not possible. Because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, make a note of it, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the, has the Son of God does not have life. So they don't have Jesus, they don't have eternal life. Well, how do you have the Son? By receiving Him. By receiving him. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who received him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes, but brother John, aren't we all children of God? No. We're all God's creatures. Everybody on the planet is God's creatures, and we should love our fellow man. But only those who receive him are children of God. Well, how do people receive him? By believing in his name. Can you say amen? amen? The son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Just as the sun is always shining, so Jesus is always Lord. Now some folks said, yeah, but you know, the sun isn't always shining what about nighttime? Let me help you out. The sun, S-U-N, does not have an on and off switch. I don't know if you know that or not. You can write it down if you're not sure about that. At nighttime, God doesn't reach over and turn the sun off. Did you know that? The sun is always shining. Now, the earth rotates on its axis, and it turns away. The globe turns away from the rays of the sun, but it, the sun never stops shining. You may turn your back on Jesus, but he will never stop being who he is. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Can you say amen to that? When it says the same in the Greek language, it's the words O atos, O atos. I know some of you are named Otto, but this is, this is Greek. O atos. And it really, means, it really means the self. The self. He is the same identical self, the same person. Always. Time has no effect on Jesus at all. What he is today, he'll be tomorrow and always will be. Hallelujah. And notice he's the son of righteousness. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he is called Jesus Christ the righteous. We have been made righteous with his righteousness. We have not only received his nature in salvation, we have also obtained his standing with the Father. Because of faith, 
in the blood of Jesus, you are now righteous with Christ's righteousness. You are just as right with the Father as Jesus is. You will never be more righteous than you are right now. Dying and going to heaven will not improve your righteousness because you are righteous through faith in Christ. You have the same kind of relationship with God that the Son has. Now, I know that didn't, that didn't sink in yet because you wouldn't be sitting there just staring off into space. You'd be jumping up and dancing right now. You have the same kind of relationship with God the Father that Jesus Christ the Son has because he gave you his righteousness, his standing. Glory to God. Woo, glory to God. And notice, notice this. The Son of righteousness with healing healing in its wings. Now, the Hebrew word for wings means the edge of something or the extremity. And we don't normally think of the sun as having wings like a bird. But it has rays. Healing emanates from Jesus. The way beams of light radiate from the sun. Healing. Healing emanates from him. It, it goes forth from him the same way that light shines from the sun. He is healing. Just like you cannot separate the sun from the sunlight, you cannot separate Jesus from healing. Wherever he is, healing is there. Wherever he is, healing is there. He said, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there. So that means there's healer. There's healing. There's a healer in the house today. His name is Jesus Christ. That means you got no excuse. There's no excuse for you not being healed today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting that he would be called the son of righteousness with healing. One of the most important elements to a robust immune system, you know, in your body to fight infection and disease, God made your body. One of the most important elements is vitamin D. I don't know if you know that. And you know the best source, and really you could almost say the only source of vitamin T, D, you know where that comes from? Yeah, that's right, the sun. It comes from the sun. In fact, health experts, and obviously you can look at me and tell that's not me, but health experts tell us that to be healthy, actually, we need to spend something like 15 to 20 minutes every day in the sun. Some of you are kind of allergic to the sun, but, you know, you need vitamin D. By the way, while I'm on the subject, one of the greatest things, naturally speaking, to fight COVID or any other virus is vitamin D. That's a fact. So you actually need sunshine. So being sheltered in place, you know, in your house is actually a mistake. Well, I can just sit by the window... The glass window blocks out the UV rays of the sun. You do not produce vitamin D just sitting in your house. You have to be exposed to the sun. 
Likewise, if you're sick or infirm, you need more sunlight, S-O-N, light. You need more S-O-N light. Hallelujah. You need more exposure to Jesus. Having a cross around your neck or a picture of Jesus on your wall will not suffice. Mere religion blocks out his rays of healing. You need to be in his presence. You need to be nourished in his word. You need to drink of his spirit. He's got healing. He's got healing in his wings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't even have to wait for the end of this service. You could be healed while you're sitting there. I said, you could be healed while you're sitting there. That happens. From time to time, you know, I hear people give a report that I was just sitting in the service and I looked down and, well, I was healed. Or I, I wasn't even thinking about it. I went home and I checked and well, the problem's gone. Yeah. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Hallelujah. Malachi 4.2 again. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. To whom? To which person does the sun of righteousness arise? To you who fear my name. The fear of the Lord is not a bad thing, you know. When he says the fear of the Lord, he doesn't mean being terrified or scared. The fear of the Lord means this, to stand in awe of Him. To be constantly conscious of His magnificence. Constantly aware of His awesomeness. I think some Christians are not healed because their concept of God is too small. Their finite minds try to shrink God to fit into their worldview. God is bigger than your peanut brain. Short to mumfully brain. <laughs> God is bigger than that. Hallelujah. Amen. Creation itself, the Bible tells me in Psalm 19 verse 1, creation itself reveals the glory of God. Think about this. Think about this. The sun, the, the, the S-U-N, the sun in our sky. The sun is 93 million miles from earth. That's 150 million kilometers. So it's a, it's a little journey. Light, light from the sun, light in the earth, travels at 186,000 miles Per second. That's three lakhs kilometers every second. How fast is that? Baby, that's fast. In one second, light can circle the earth seven and a half times. That's fast. The light that leaves the sun traveling at three lakhs kilometers per second takes eight minutes to reach the earth. When you look up on the, in the sky on a clear night, you see all the stars with the, with the unaided eye. 
The nearest star besides our sun is called Alpha Centauri. How far away is that star? The light that leaves that star, Alpha Centauri is the name scientists give to it, takes three and a half years to reach the earth. In fact, that star could have exploded, but we won't know about it for three and a half years because the light won't come to us for another three and a half years. There are some stars that are hundreds of light years away. Many are thousands of light years away. When you look up at the sky, maybe with telescope, you're actually looking back in time. Your father made that. Your father made that. The surface temperature of the sun is a bit warm. 5,600 degrees centigrade, Celsius. You know, we think 40 degrees, it's a little hot. You know, some people die when it gets like over 40. The surface, 5,600 centigrade, Celsius. But the the core temperature of the sun... You want to take a a guess? 15 million degrees Celsius. Well, we're not going to send any astronauts to land on the sun? No, friend, not even at night. (laughs) Think about this. Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. 1,300 Earths could fit inside Jupiter. 1,300 Earths could fit inside Jupiter. 1,000 Jupiters could fit inside the sun. What's the point? God doesn't have any problem healing you. He created the stars with his words. He created the planets. He created the universe. It's no problem. It's no problem for him. He, when you say, God, I've had, I got this arthritic condition and I've got, you know, kidney problem. God's not up there wringing his hands. Oh, boy, this is going to take faith. No, 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 it's no problem for him. It's no problem for him. Amen. If everybody in this room ask for the biggest thing possible, their biggest dream, their greatest desire, at the same time, and pulled on God's power, the lights of heaven wouldn't even flicker. It's impossible that you could have a problem that's impossible for God. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, for by Christ Jesus, all things were created in heaven, and on earth. As impressive as the stars and the planets are, the one who made them is infinitely more amazing, just as the builder has more honor than the building. This is the one who saves you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. For you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing. So do not let Dishonor cause the sun to set in your life. Do not let dishonor cause the sun to set 
in your life. When we withhold honor to whom it is due, we dishonor that person. When we withhold honor to someone to whom we should be giving honor, we are dishonoring that person. You see, if we do not approach God with reverence and humility, we are being disrespectful. Think about this. What if you were given an audience with the Queen of England? You know, it's arranged and they, they march you in there to her you know, royal residence, and there you're going to meet the queen. How would you greet her? Would you just stick out your hand and say, nice to meet you? Some of you would say, high five. Fist bump? Now, you could, meet, you could greet me that way, and fine. You could greet others, you know, in the church that, fine, that way, and, that, and that, that would be a problem. But Buckingham Palace would be offended by that. That casualness is not acceptable because you're saying by that casualness, you're no better than me. And they don't, they don't agree. <laughs> they don't like that. Right? We're too casual with God. I said we're too casual with God. Yeah, but you know, God is my daddy. He's my daddy. Malachi 1.6 says, the Lord said, if I am a father, where is my honor? See, yes, he is your father. That's true. And there's intimacy that we have with him. There's, there's closeness and fellowship that we have with him. And that's true. And you don't have to speak to God in a formal, stilted manner. You don't have to, you know, become, uh, turn into somebody else. And you don't have to pray in the King James language, right? You, you, can, you can talk to God honestly and clearly. But what I'm saying is, don't ever become disrespectful. Always be mindful of the fact he is the almighty God. See, what you're trying to do is, is you think that, well, we have fellowship with the Father. We have intimacy with the Lord. So you're trying to pull him down to your level. Well, what God wants to do is pull you up to his level. Always honor the Lord. If we truly fear the Lord, we need not fear anything else. If we truly fear the Lord, if we are continually aware of his awesomeness, he's a mighty God, then we don't need to be afraid of anything else. Jesus is greater than terminal cancer. Jesus is greater than heart disease. Jesus is greater than diabetes. Jesus is greater than kidney failure. Jesus is greater than any virus. Big Jesus, little COVID. Jesus is greater than any illness, any condition, any infirmity. He's greater. And if you will fix your eyes on him, you know what I mean by that? You know what I mean by that? like in your heart, in your mind, you focus on Him, then He will eclipse everything else in your life. 
next to him, everything else, every problem is small. You're looking at your problem from your vantage point. But you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Look down at your problem from his viewpoint. You think it's a mountain. God says it's an anthill. Amen? How big is your God, my friend? I said, how big is your God? How big is your God? Is he big enough to take care of you? Is he big enough to heal you? Is he big enough to protect your family? Do you believe that? Oh, then I guess we'll see you next Sunday too, right? Amen? In Exodus 14, verse 31, after God parted the Red Sea, it says this, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord. There is a connection between the fear of the Lord and faith in the Lord. You really can't have one without another. You cannot truly trust God unless you understand just how big he is, that nothing is too difficult for him. Hallelujah. And if you trust him, you will rely on him. Most people think that, you know, that praying is what you do when all else fails, right? There's no hope. Well, then maybe look to God. We have a doctor in our church years ago. You've heard me say this, some of you, but we have a doctor in our church years ago who, you know, he, he, was, he was so excited about the truth of healing by the power of God. And so in his medical practice, he decided he would minister to people, you know, by giving them the word of God and praying for them, you know. But unfortunately, he would walk into the, the, the clinic and here's the patient. He would say, well, I want to pray for you. And the patient would begin to cry because they thought, if the doctor's praying for me, that means there's no hope for me. That means I'm going to die. <laughs> that's, the, that's the concept that people have, isn't it? So he couldn't do it like that, you know. People don't, they don't. If you look to him, you rely on him. You know what? just want to say this. If you really believe in him, there's no plan B. I just want to say that there's really no plan B. I love to talk about Smith Wigglesworth, and you that know me have heard me say his name many times, but when he was just beginning in ministry, he pastored a small little church in his hometown, and he and his wife, her name was Polly, were having a meal with another minister, and Polly asked the guest, what would you think of a man who preaches divine healing and yet relies on medical means every day? What would you think about that? What would you think about a man who preaches divine healing, yet he himself relies on medical means, just natural things, every day? What would you think about it? And this minister said, well, I would say that he does not fully trust the Lord. After they finished eating, Wigglesworth spoke up and said, when my wife asked that question, she was talking about me. And he said, since I have been a young man, I have suffered with hemorrhoids, or you might say piles. And I have to rely on salt tablets to ease my suffering. But if you will stand with me in faith, I will trust in the Lord 
for my healing. And so he did that. And he completely recovered. And from that moment, for the rest of his life, he never suffered again with that condition. Not only that, he went on to have an earth-shaking ministry of healing. Now, putting away your medicine is not faith. I'm not telling you. I didn't tell anybody here, stop taking your medicine. I'm not saying that, okay? I, I need to make that disclaimer, okay? And I, and I never look down on someone who's taking medicine. I, I would not do that, okay? But what I am trying to say is this. Sometimes Christians say, I'm trusting the Lord, and let's be honest, they are just mouthing empty words. They are just mouthing empty words. God knows it. The angels in heaven know it. Even the devil knows it. Those are just empty words because faith is proven by action. James said, show me your faith. You talk about it, but show me your faith. Demonstrate it. Amen? Now, some people say, well, Brother John, uh, if I stop taking medicine, what happens if I become worse? Listen, if that's what you're thinking, you need to keep taking your medicine. <laughs> Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and get the best medical help you can get because you don't have a molecule of faith. You need to stand with an unwavering faith. That's what pleases God. That's what receives from heaven. Some people do believe, they do believe, but their faith is misplaced. Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four tells us how to receive. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe what? That you have received it, and it will be yours. The New International Reader's Version says this, believe that you have already received it, then it will be yours. See, some Christians say, I believe in healing. I do. I even preach healing. I don't know why the Lord won't heal me, though. It's a mystery. No, it's not a mystery. Not when you read the Bible. It's not enough to believe in healing. You need to receive it by faith. There are some sinners today, especially in Northeast India, there are some sinners who believe in salvation, but they're not saved. Huh? I know Christians who believe in prosperity who don't have a penny to their name. Are you out there today? You must receive your healing by faith. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, believe you already have healing, and then you will have it. What most Christians do is the opposite. They're waiting until they have the healing, and then they'll believe. So when they pray, they check themselves. Oh, I still have that pain. Oh, it still hurts. Oh, God, why won't you heal me? That's the opposite. Believe that you have it. Many people are only actually hoping that God will heal them. Even if you call it faith, if it's hope, it's still hope, even if you call it something else. They're only hoping. Some are just wishing. What if a sinner hoped that God would save him? 
What if you ask somebody, you know, in, in this church, friend, are you saved? Well, I hope so. That's a red flag. That means, okay, this guy's not saved, right? I mean, if we asked you, even in the natural, are you a man? If you said, I hope so, something's wrong. Are you a woman? Pray for me. No, 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 that's, that's not the right answer. <laughs> it's a yes or no question, you know, amen? You are saved by believing on Jesus Christ and receiving by faith the gift of salvation. Just hoping and wishing and asking others to pray for you again and again, that's not how men are saved. Likewise, you must believe that God has heard and answered your prayer for healing before you feel any better. When we pray for you today, you may be tempted to check your body. Still have a fever? Still don't feel well? <coughs> you know. Listen, don't give yourself some kind of little mini medical exam. Just believe God. Well, I still feel bad. Believe you have received it. Amen? Let's move on. I'm almost done here. For you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. To fear the Lord is also a wholesome dread of displeasing God. Those who reverence and honor God turn away from things that are displeasing to Him. Let me give you another scripture. Ephesians 5.14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper. He's talking about the person seated next to you right now. Awake, O sleeper. I feel like saying that every Sunday morning. Awake, O sleeper. And rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. If Christ, the Son of righteousness, shines on you, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. Some Christians need to wake up from their spiritual lethargy and distract, distraction. It's kind of like, uh, what? Son of who? Right? Healing in his wit. You wake up. Right? You need, to, you need to be alert. You need to be attentive. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.20, attend to my words. My son, attend to my words. Right? You need to, you need to treat this like it's important because it is important. I'm not just asking you to pay attention to my sermon. I'm asking you to, to have priorities and put the things of God first place in your life, whether I'm preaching or not. Yeah. Hallelujah. Awake. Awake, you sleeper. Then arise from the dead. Some people, they need to walk away from ungodly influences. They need to separate themselves from the spiritually dead. Some people need to make some new friends. Because your old friends, they, even, they may even be Christians. You know, well, me and Brother Doubt are best friends. Yeah, I know, that's the problem. Because all of that doubt is getting off on you. You need to, enter, you need to meet Brother Faith. You need to meet, meet Sister Anointing. You need to have friends who love God and excited about the things of God. And when you're down, they're going to lift you up. They're going to pump you up with faith. You don't need friends who, when you say, I'm not feeling well. In fact, I think I have COVID. They say, what shall we sing? <laughs> what do you mean? At your funeral. 
Do you want flowers? And that's not, that's, you don't want friends who come in with measure for the coffin while you're lying in bed. That's not the kind of friends you need. We'll do that after you die, but <laughs> you need people, you need four crazy faith friends. You need the kind of friends, if you're paralyzed, they'll climb up on the roof, bust a hole, and lower you down to Jesus. That's the kind of friends you need. Amen. And one good faith friend is better than a hundred unfaith friends. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for the sick in just a moment, but I will read one more uh, verse, or actually two verses real quickly, and then we'll proceed. And Habakkuk, and you don't have to turn there. By the time you find it, I'll be having my lunch. But Habakkuk, <laughs> I didn't say tobacco. I said Habakkuk. <laughs> Habakkuk. It's in the Habakkuk of the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. Think about it. Notice this part. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of His praise. His brightness was like the light Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. That last verse in the Amplified Bible, he has bright rays flashing from his hand, and there in sun-like splendor is the hiding place of his power. He has rays of beams of light flashing from his hand, Habakkuk said, the prophet said. And he said, that's where the power was coming. Now you can understand why Jesus laid his hands on the sick. Now you can understand why he laid his hands, rays like sun-like sun -like splendor came from his hands. Jesus didn't lay his feet on the sick. He didn't tell you to do that either. Jesus didn't sit on the sick. All right, next. All right, you're healed. He did, he did not do that. <laughs> you don't need to do that. He didn't ask you to do that, okay? Jesus didn't put his head on the sick. He laid his hands. He laid his hands on the sick. Isn't that interesting? And then he told you and I to do the same thing. In Mark 16, 18, he said, these signs will follow or accompany those who believe. The last verse there says, in verse 18, they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, why would we lay our hands on the sick? We do so in his name. Well, why? Because the son of righteousness is shining in you. Because he is in you. He's in you. He says, I need to use your hands because you are my body. Well, I don't have any power. He's saying, I provide the power. You just make yourself available and I'll give the ability. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me to your feet right now? Can we bless the Lord? Can we praise him and thank him for his...